Welcome to another sermon from New Bethel Baptist Church. I hope that this sermon will help you to better know who God is, challenge you to grow in your faith, and compel you to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So we come to our time for our sermon this morning. I want to encourage you, if you have um, your Bibles with you, and uh, maybe you're sitting back, you got a nice cup of coffee, go ahead and turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. This is where we're going to be for the next several weeks as we go through Colossians. I will let you know next Sunday we're actually going to take a a brief hiatus for a, a, a sermon that will not be in the book of Colossians, but for today and then for the weeks after that, we will be going through Colossians as we started last week. So we're looking at uh, we're following up where, where Paul was talking about how thankful he was and how he was praying for the Colossians pr- that he's never met. Uh, let's remember that, that, that Paul never went to Colossae. He, never, he didn't plant the church at Colossae. He didn't meet the Colossians. But still, he's praying for them. And, and so we see that he's praying for their, their growth. We see that he's praying for their, their, their salvation. And so as he's doing that, as he finishes up that portion that we looked at last week, we go into this passage where he begins to talk about the God who saved them. And he, he describes Christ. He describes Christ as preeminent. Preeminent. And, and that's one of those things that we're going to get into. What does preeminent mean? Get that into your mind. Think about that. That's the title of today's sermon is preeminent. So let's start reading in verse 15 of chapter 1, going through verse 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things were hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross." And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we continue this morning. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you that, that even though we aren't together, Lord, that we can still come together and, and look at your word and worship you and sing your praises. And God, I pray that where we are today, that in all of our lives, that you might be preeminent, Lord, that you would be above all things, that you would be the greatest thing in our life, that we would value you higher than everything else. God, I pray that that as you're, you're, you are with us today, that as we are going through this passage, that you will be with us, that you will convict us, you'll guide us, you'll show us how we ought to view you, you'll show us how we ought to interact with you, and that we will, we will just come to be in awe of who you are today. God, I pray that you'll be with us this morning, that you'll help show us what your will is for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we're looking at this passage, and we, we heard that word preeminent. So the first thing we see is that Christ is preeminent. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be preeminent? The, the definition of preeminent is above all others. He is above all others. He is the most important thing. He is the top. He is preeminent in everything. It, 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 it's not a, an accident. It's, not, it, it's wonderful to see how God works. I was um, in, in a message, a group message with some friends of mine from back in Kentucky, and, and that one of them was sharing about uh, a grandchild of theirs that had just been born, and, and the other one was talking about how it reminded them of their passage they were reading in, in Scripture this week, which was this one. And, and the friend replied back, you're right, it's all about the preeminence of Christ. So what does that mean? It's all about Christ being above all others. Christ being the most important thing. That's a big statement, and it's a statement you likely often hear in church. God is greater than, God is higher than, Christ is God. We're going to get to that. That's included in this passage. So Christ is the greatest thing that there is. Well, how do we know that? How, how can we prove this? How can we see that? That's a lot of what this passage is about. It's about going through and explaining why Christ is preeminent, why He is above all others, why He is so great. It's one of those things that as we go through our life and we think about and we encounter people, you might have someone that that you meet and you don't understand who they are. You don't know who they are. I I saw a video just the other day of a person that was, I don't think, very familiar with football, but they were kind of doing some interviews. It was kind of supposed to be that fish-out-of-water type interview where they go and talk to people and have no idea who they're talking to. And the person they're talking to is Tim Tebow, and they're like, what's your name? And it's like, Tim, Tim Tebow. It's like, oh, did you play football? Yeah. What position? Quarterback. Oh, so you were in charge. It's it's no big deal. So Tim Tebow, being very humble, didn't really flaunt who he was in this person's face, being a very popular, very uh, engaged person in football, even still in the announcing side of things. But when we meet people, we find out who they are. We find out things about them. And then sometimes if we hear their status, we hear stories about them, we figure out whether they measure up to what we've been told. And so for Christ to measure up to being what He's been made to be to these people, it's very important that we understand who He is. It's not just something we say. It's not just something we talk about. Christ is preeminent. Now, one verse in the, in the beginning of this, right? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. As we talk about this idea of preeminence, that term, that idea of firstborn is important. Now, if you read this and, you, and you're just kind of going with our understanding, our ideology of what firstborn would mean, that would mean what? That Christ was created, which is not the case. That is a, a heretical thing that has been denounced through the history of the church. Christ is eternal. He is God. He has coexisted as a part of the Trinity for all of time. So what is this term? Why does it say that Christ is the firstborn over all creation? The firstborn of all creation. In biblical times, when you see the word firstborn, it was as much of a title as it was a fact of their life. When we think about our world, when we think about the people around us, if someone's the oldest, it still carries some weight, right? Oh, you're the oldest, so that means you're the, the child that, that has these characteristics. You're headstrong, you, you, know, you have to succeed, you have to do all these things, right? Firstborns and only children often are seen in the same same route, the same lens. You even probably heard at one time that, oh, oldest children shouldn't marry oldest children because they're too similar. They'll butt heads too much. We have ideas around the idea of being 
a firstborn. And there's even this idea that if you have enough time between a group of children and then another child, that they are almost have they will have the personality of the firstborn child because they didn't have elder siblings that were with them in the way the others did. So we have in our culture and understanding some idea of what it means to be a firstborn, but it was even more important at this time. That was the the passing of the family lineage, the, the person that would take charge, the person that was over the family, that had the responsibility, that had the, the weight, but also the honor bestowed upon them. The firstborn, this prototokos, the, the, the concept of firstborn being this idea that he is in charge, he is over creation. It's, it's following with the idea, above all others, first, preeminent. So that's, what he's, that's why Paul is using this word, firstborn. So this claim of preeminence, it's important, right? You've heard this. If you've been in church, you've heard God is the greatest. God is, should be the most important, but why? Why does it matter? So we've already seen the first part. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We're going to go into the next couple of verses. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. So as we go on to look at the rest of this passage, we're going to see the list, listing of why he is preeminent. We're going to see Paul explain why Christ is above all else, why Christ is the higher, the highest that there can be. The first thing we see is that Christ is creator. The first indication that Christ is higher than all else is that he is the creator of all things. This, is, this reminds me, this is reminiscent of, of John 1, 3. John chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Christ is the Creator. I don't know about, about you, but when, when you create something, it means you're greater than what you've created because you, you had to know what goes into it. You had to, uh, to put these things into place. And Christ is the creator of all things. Now, I want, to, I want you to understand a little bit of what kind of creator Christ is. He's not a creator that puts things into motion and has no control over those things. Christ is in charge and in tune with his creation. You might think of a story like, like Frankenstein where he creates, which often it's easy to get those confused, right? Frankenstein's monster is created by Dr. Frankenstein. But what happens afterward? He has no control over what he's created. He's not greater that he's not in charge of what's happened but god but christ is in charge he knows his creation he knows us he knows the inner workings of all things he is over his knowledge exceeds ours he's over over top of it with knowledge he knows his creation he knows you he knows me he knows our inner workings he knows our thoughts our desires and even still he loves his creation He loves His creation. He loves me. He loves you. But even more than that, He owns His creation. Not only did He create all of these things, but they exist for Him. I want to go back to that verse that we we looked at. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him, and for him. He has authority over them. He, he owns them. They belong to him. 
when you think about creating something, there's something about making something with your own hands that makes it seem a little more special, right? When you, when you think about um, something that your child makes for you, it might not be the best thing, right? They, they bring home a work of art from school or from church or from, from where they were just, their bedroom where they were coloring, and, and they give it to you. What do you do with it? You display it proudly, right? You go to the store all the time and pass a lot of framed art that professional artists have made, and you don't buy it, but you put the art of your children up because you know the one that made it, and you, you have a, a tangible connection to them. A lot of the things that we have in our world almost don't feel, they just kind of feel like things that are because they're intended to be put together in, in ways that are seamless and in ways that, that are, are uh, just consumables. But when we know who made it, when we make something, it has a special connection to us. When someone makes something for us, we have a special connection with the one who made it, and it becomes so much more valuable, so much more real to us, because we know the one who made it. When you think about someone who made something, who created something, especially when it's exceptional, you're amazed by it, because you're, you're thinking, Normally, I don't know the person who made what I use. I don't know the person who, who gave me these things. And, and you've made this with your own hands from, from your mind. You, you conceptualize, you put this into practice, and, and here it is, and you made it. That's, that's incredible. When you, when you go to someone, you find out that they've made something that you're interacting with. It's incredible to you. Uh, not too long ago, I was given a gift by, by Dennis, one of our, our deacons here, and it's, it's a uh, business card holder. And he gave it to me. And you look at it, and it is of, of a high, high quality. It's one that people would, would pay a lot of money because it's personalized. It has my name on it. It has, my, has the church logo on it. It has my favorite Bible verse on it. And it, it, even inside of it has a, a mechanism that holds the cards in place. So when I start giving cards to people, it's not gonna, they're not going to all just fall out. People would pay good money for something like this. And you'd get it, and you'd be like, that's what I expected it to be. But I know the one who made it. I know that He cares for me. He gave it to me because He cares for me. I know the one who made it. It came from Him, and it carries a significance to me because of that. It's one thing to just say, God made the world, but when you start looking around, I want you to, to, to do that for yourself for a moment. Start looking around at the things around you, the, the creation around you. You can see the picture as you, that you've seen in the background of the slides and this morning. That's Mount Everest, the, the highest peak on earth, the preeminent peak. God made that. The, the place, the materials of the world you interact with, maybe you didn't build your house, but it wouldn't exist except for what God had made, and it wouldn't exist except for the person that God had made that built it. I want you to look at your loved ones, your family, your friends. God made them. This isn't this abstract thing that oh, somewhere far off, something made this, and now I interact with it. You know, you can know the One who made you, who made all things, and He loves you. And we exist for Him, and He loves us and He knows us. So Christ is Creator. I want us to not miss that, that He is greater than all things because He made all things and all things exist for Him. It's not a simple statement we make. It's a big deal that Christ 
is Creator. Not only is He the Creator, but He is the Sustainer. Not only did He create, but He is still in charge of all things. It reminds me of the, of the children's song that we all knew and we all learned growing up. He's got the whole world in His hands. He created the world, and through Him, all things hold together. And we see this, this, this verse that was in here. And He is before all things, and all thing, in Him all things hold together. So Christ is before His creation. So what does that mean? He's before it in time. He pre-exists creation. There's not, there's not anything that is as old as Christ or as God because God is eternal. So He existed before creation. It makes, it makes me think of the, the verse in John, where, where the, or the verse in one of the Gospels where He's talking about um, their father Abraham or their father Moses. He says, before them I am. He is before His creation. He's also before them. He's preeminent. He's before them in importance. He is greater than them. His role, his, his importance is higher than them. And as well as in leadership, He is the one that is over charge of. He is sovereign over His creation. There is nothing in His creation that is outside of His leadership or outside of His bounds. He is sovereign over His creation. And again, I want you to think of that scenario. He didn't just create the world and let it unfold. There are a lot of people that hold that view that they might claim to be a deist, right? They don't claim to know the God of the Bible. They don't necessarily believe the God of the Bible. But they might believe there is a God. But they believe if there is a God that God created and just kind of let things unfold. That is not the case of the God we see in the Bible. That is not the case of our God that we know is the living God. He created, He knows it, He loves it, and He is in charge of it. Through Him, all things hold together. He is working in and through His creation. He works among us, and He works through His creation. I want you to think about one of the big objections people have to miracles in Scripture is this idea that, well, miracles don't abide by the laws of physics. They don't abide by the way we know the world works, right? Christ walked on water. How does that work? Christ multiplied the fish and the loaves. How does that work? According to the world God has created, it does not work. For us, we can't do those things in and of ourselves. I can't decide that I have a slice of pizza and I want another slice, so I'll just make more slices from that slice. Not without division. I can't do multiplication. But the one who created the world, who created the laws that govern us, who holds all things together, holds these things into place, those things are subject to Him and His will. The idea that miracles, the Bible is not true because miracles can never happen completely misses the idea that there is a God who is a creator of all of these things and is sustainer of all of these things. He can do whatever He wills. There is nothing that would be impossible for Him because He is in charge of all of these things. So Christ is working in and through His creation. He's not an absent God. He is not a God who has left us abandoned. He is here with us. He is working in and through His creation. This is very evident in His church. Christ is the head of His church. Christ is the head 
of his church. So at this point in the world, the church has formed, but it is continuing to form and to spread out across the world. But this reminder was necessary that the whole reason the church exists is because of and for Christ. The church exists because of and for Christ. Going back to the passage, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything He might be preeminent. Why, why should we have to say this? We are Christians. It's in the name, right? Can you think of how many organizations or how many things in your life or that you've seen start one way and end another way? How many times were a, an organization or a person or a group of people have started with a purpose and over time they lose sight of that purpose? It happens all of the time where someone who intends to do good ends up becoming greedy. Where a company that starts with, with one goal loses sight of that goal and chases after something else. Christ is the head of the church. He is the one that founded the church. The church is by Him and for Him and exists and always will exist for Him. He's not only, it's not only about Him, but He is the leader of it. And again, you would think these things shouldn't need to be said, but how many times can you think of in your life involved in the church where what we did, the things that we, we, we were doing, the things that people focused on, the things that groups of people argued about had nothing to do with Christ and following His leadership. If we remember the preeminence, the absolute highest authority of Christ in our church, in the life of the church, it keeps us from focusing on distractions. We also see that He is a leader that cannot and will not be replaced. There are Many, there are some companies, many companies, that, that have had founders that started the company that over time, at some point, eventually they got fired from this company. Now, how can that happen? Well, if a company starts and they get big enough and they become a public company and many people have interest in the company and there's a board of directors, eventually the person that founded it can have given away so much say in the company that they can be themselves removed from the company. The most, it's happened in many situations. The most famous one that maybe you've heard of, maybe you didn't even realize it happened, but Steve Jobs, right? The creator, the founder of Apple. A, a, a person that was a visionary in the technology world that has made a lasting impact. He was at one point fired from his own company. But then years later was brought back to lead that company. Let me tell you something. We cannot... We shouldn't, we, would, we shouldn't want to, but we cannot remove Christ as the head of the church. You know, there are many people, even at times pastors, who would presume leadership and authority over their church. I remember hearing a, a story of a church where, where the, the pastor at that particular time had a lot of, um, a lot of issues with, with uh, being a domineering leader, being a person that that hurt people, that was doing things and using their authority and their position to cause harm to people. And one of the people that challenged their authority in a, in a situation that had a question about a decision they were making, 
this, this pastor looked at that person and said, whose church is this? And the person that was, was telling this story said, you know, in their mind that they initially thought, they were like, well, this is Christ's church. But their response was the one that the person wanted and said, this is your church. It's not ever a person's church. It's not ever the pastor's church. It's not ever a powerful family's church. It's not ever any single person's church. This is Christ's church. It belongs to Him. And we must remember whose church this is. He founded the church. He is the goal of the church. We, are, we should be pursuing Him, and He is the one who leads the church. We also see that Christ is fully God. This is more of a culminating statement, right? We, we see it kind of bookended in this passage. It starts with, He is the image of the invisible God. And I remember in the Gospels, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the image of the invisible God. And then it bookends it by saying, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Christ is fully God. We see again this tie-in to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ, the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is fully God, fully man. We see the mystery of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One in essence, one in being, three persons. Fully God. So this is more of a culminating statement than a further assertion. All of these things that we've seen can only be said to be true about God, Creator, Sustainer of all things, before all things, the purpose of the church. It's only true about God. And this person, this God that we serve, this, this Christ who is fully God, fully man, what, what did He do? In Him, the fullness of Christ was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Making peace by the blood of His cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. So what do we see all of these things. He's preeminent. He's fully God. He's the Creator. He's the Sustainer. So what does this God do? He redeems His creation that had wandered from Him. Christ is Redeemer. And I think it's important that we constantly remind ourselves of these things, that all of this truth about who God is helps us to understand fully what He's done for us, that Christ is Redeemer. After seeing all of these things, all that, all that He's done for you, this is where you realize that this is the Christ who died for you. We can't let those things get separated and, and think God is the Creator, He's all-powerful, and then Christ is a, as a separate figure. We can't compartmentalize these things. The same God that created you is the same God that, that laid His life down for you. We must understand this to understand the full extent of what He's done for us. Because in this, we see two things that are very important. We see His worthiness and ability to do such a thing for us. 
Only one that has such authority as the Christ we've described previously has the ability and the worthiness to be a sacrifice that could redeem all mankind. We see our inability to cover such a debt, to, to cover our sinfulness. I don't know if you've ever, it's kind of been, I think, a, a, a trope through many movies, but maybe a person that goes to dinner with a, a friend that they've had that they haven't seen for quite a while, and this friend's doing really well, and, and the friend takes them to a very fancy restaurant. I've seen this in many movies, and, and, and the person that, that gets taken to the restaurant doesn't want to feel belittled, doesn't want to feel less than, and so they say, oh, I, don't worry about it, I got the check, only to get a check that they absolutely cannot cash, or that they cannot cover. And so they kind of ashamedly kind of pass it back to the person that that has the ability to cover it. We have to understand that we can't pay the debt that our sin created. We aren't worthy enough to overcome the sin that's in our life. We have to understand that this shows us that He's worthy to be our Redeemer and He is able to be our Redeemer. And it also shows us the great love that He has for us. We were talking earlier about when you make something or someone makes something for you, it holds a, a special place in your heart. You think about your children and, and how oftentimes in our eyes, our own children can do no wrong, even though maybe they do. But I want you to realize that you are the creation of our God, that He loves you. Even if you don't feel like you deserve it, even if you don't feel like He's able to save you, we, we've established that He can he loves you still, despite all that you have done. And He is able to save you no matter what you have done. Because He is our Redeemer, that by the blood of His cross, we can be made right with Him. We can have our salvation through Christ. And so my message to you today is if you don't know Him, if you don't have a relationship with Him, that is the first place you should start. Understanding that, that Christ is preeminent, He's greater than all things, should result in us repenting and believing in what He has done for us. Believing the Gospel in our lives. So today, I hope that if you haven't done that, you'll consider repenting and believing today. But the, the final thing we see through this is not only is He our Redeemer, but Christ then, after we have been redeemed, becomes our goal Christ becomes our goal. The last part of this passage. If indeed, you can, His goal is to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So Christ becomes our goal. After gaining a correct view of who Christ is, He should be preeminent in our lives. We should regard Him as such. If we understand that Christ is higher than all things, He's our Creator, our Sustainer, that He is the reason for and the head of the church, that He is God, that He died for us, that He's our Redeemer, how could He be anything other than the most important thing in each of our lives? How could He be anything other than what we live our lives for? And so what we should strive for is to reach Christ as our goal, to, to pre be presented as holy and blameless as we're going through this process of sanctification that we've been talking about after we've been justified. That's, that should be what our goal is. 
He talks about if you indeed hold fast to what we've heard, you've heard. This isn't a, a, a process through which we're talking about earning or keeping our salvation, but it is proving and showing that our belief was true. It's proving our salvation rather than earning it. it it's, it's showing that what we said we believe is genuine. And there is a fruit to that belief. There is a proof, not a, not a root. We don't earn our salvation, but we show it to be true. And so this morning, as we close today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to follow Christ with your life. If you don't know Him, I challenge you for the very first day, for the very first time today, to follow Him with your life. And, and you know, we're not here today. We can't have an in-person invitation. We can't do this. We can't come together and, and have a time where you can come up front and pray or, or ask questions or ask for prayer. But you can comment on, on this live stream. You can send a message directly to the church. You can send a message to me if you would like to do that, if you would like to ask questions. You can call the church this week while we're in the office. We would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. You can pray right where you're at to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. You can acknowledge, you can say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need salvation. I know that You are, are great in all things. You created me. You, you love me. And I know that I have rejected You. You can say that, 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 Lord, I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says He is. I believe that He is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross for me and was raised on the third day. And I, I want to make Him my Lord and Savior. I want to follow Him for the rest of my life. If you pray that this morning, you can be saved. You can have a relationship with God. You can have Christ as your Redeemer. And then you need to make Him your goal. So if you have been saved... Is Christ preeminent in your life? Is He the greatest thing? Is He above all other things in your life? Or do you treat Him that way? Because whether you treat Him that way or not, He is. Do you treat Christ as preeminent? So we're going to have a time where, where we're going to have an invitation where you're at. You can comment. You can call the church. You can do whatever. But I invite you to see how God would call you to follow Him day. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with all of those who are, are watching this, whether it's live or, or it's after the fact. Lord, I pray that they would follow you. Whatever that means in their life, that they would be obedient to you, that they would seek after you, they would follow you with their life, that they would see you as preeminent, they would see you as what you are. They would understand what you've done for them. Lord, if they haven't followed you today, I pray that they would do so now. And Lord, if they have followed you, I pray that their, our lives would reflect it as we go from here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.